So Me Too is largely about empathy. We, we use a term called empowerment through empathy. Um, and it's about, it's, it's short and, and succinct, but it's powerful. It started because I'm a survivor of sexual violence. I spent many years in my early 20s, late teens and early 20s, trying to figure out what healing looked like for myself. I um, talked to a lot of people, um, close friends and community, and where I found the most um, safe space was when people empathized with my experience. For women who feel like that their stories aren't as important or aren't important enough to say me too, I, I'd like to talk about the spectrum of gender-based violence, right? Gender-based violence starts on one end with sexual harassment and runs the gamut to murder. And so there's no story that's unimportant. There's no person whose experience shouldn't be validated. There's nobody who can't express, you know, or disclose what has happened to them and, and that everybody's important. So I say to those women, you can stand up and talk about it. There's somebody else who's had your very experience who doesn't want to talk about it, who you might help when they hear that, oh, that's you know exactly what happened to me. Tell your story if you feel compelled to tell it because not only will it help somebody else, it will help you. Welcome to the Fragmented Whole, where we piece together the news and self. I'm your host, Amarachi Anacronye, and I'm honored to share this weekly podcast series with you. The Fragmented Whole examines the isms and phobias that unite and divide us intrapersonally, interpersonally, and geographically. In each episode, we examine how these ideological frameworks play out in current events and pop culture, and hopefully gain a deeper understanding of how we, one, see and treat ourselves, two, see and treat others, and three, act as social agents of change. The narrator that opened this week's episode was Tarana Burke, an activist and the founder of the Me Too campaign. Tarana, not actress Alyssa Milano, started the campaign 10 years ago, and it reemerged and spread like wildfire. Wildfire, when Milano encouraged women via Twitter to post hashtag me too if they'd experience sexual harassment or assault this week i want to take a more personalized and an informal tone in our dialogue all over my social media timelines i felt simultaneously shocked and yet numb as i saw each post of me too some women went as far as bravely sharing their personal narratives of gender-based violence. Like many of those women, I too have experienced sexual harassment as a rape survivor. I created the Fragmented Whole as a means to explore how brokenness and totality are experienced concurrently in all of us and selfishly with each episode I strive to heal my own internal brokenness as I embrace my totality as a human being. As much as I felt and still feel a sense of community and being able to unapologetically express my triumph as a survivor of rape, I still struggle daily to see myself as undamaged, lovable, and whole, particularly when I'm involved in romantic relationships. It's something I've battled with for years and will probably tussle with for the rest of my life. 
I want to emphasize that sexual harassment is not limited to cisgendered, able-bodied women, but includes transgendered individuals, non-gender conforming individuals, and cis and transgendered men, and even more demographic identities. This week's discussion of the hashtag MeToo campaign and gender-based violence is an extension of last week's discussion concerning the hashtag women boycott Twitter and hashtag women of color affirmation campaigns. The affirmation campaigns were made in response to women being silenced when vocalizing experiences of unjust treatment due to misogyny, racism, and intersections of the two. If you missed last week's episode, please check it out after this one. It's one you don't want to miss. Now, with each hashtag movement or campaign, as much as I'm uplifted by the freedom and space we have via social media and the internet to express our different experiences of triumph and grievances, I also struggle with guilt and feeling either desensitized or sometimes just overwhelmed. This week, as much as seeing the hashtag MeToo post fill me with joy and the solidarity shown by women and even some men and genderqueer individuals in vocalizing our narratives, I also felt frustration. Like many Black female writers of the 20th century, in their eyes were watching God, Zora Neale Hurston wrote about the burden women face and protecting their selfhood by the main protagonist, Jane. Now, I know some of y'all may, may, may not have read the book since middle or high school. So let's be real. I know some of y'all may need a refresher. So let's take a quick one. How long you been letting Johnny Taylor kiss on you? What is wrong with you? Ain't nothing wrong with me, Nanny. We was just- I said what you was just doing. You just letting that passion boy, that brethren bitches, wipe his feet on you. He wasn't wiping his feet on me. You know, the woman is the mule of the world. I ain't mean no harm, Nanny. You don't even know what harm is, girl. Well, more than 80 years after their eyes were watching God was published, harm still lies in being a woman. Not accounting the additional harm if you're not cisgendered, not heterosexual, not white, not able-bodied, and oh, oh so much more. From my personal experiences and observations, women are still the mules of the world. When I am not working as a journalist and writer, I am a public health professional that works within the intersections of sexual health and global health. Within the realm of sexual health, while we empower women to be the principal narr narrators of their sexual health with such resources as female condoms, birth control, PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis, and PEP, post-exposure prophylaxis, we also concurrently and unfairly make women the onus of personal responsibility and accountability, which is not as prevalent amongst men. 
particularly cisgendered heterosexual men when it comes to health marketing and health promotion. I don't wanna spend this episode lamenting abuses against women or degrading men because sexual perpetration is not limited to males. I wanna use this episode to celebrate survival and allyship because it is not, it is only through support and community that we keep movements alive, particularly when the hashtags die down and other causes arises and other causes arise. That's how this digital age works. What's old is new again, and there are so many worthy competing causes. In the preseason introduction, I gave you all a brief snapshot of my ethnic identity as a Nigerian American, or as I like to call myself, a cosmopolitan Nigerian woman. Growing up between both cultures compels my interest in cross-cultural current events and pop culture, particularly across the African diaspora. I am a Pan-Africanist, and I believe that as much as Africa is constantly framed as a place that needs aid from such developed and wealthy nations as the U.S. and China, and by developed, I put that in quotations or air quotes, the U.S. and the world as a whole can learn a lot from Africa. This week, I had a lot of questions about the role of men particularly cisgendered heterosexual men, and discussions about gender-based violence and their roles as victims, survivors, perpetrators, and allies. As much as men were a part of the hashtag MeToo campaign with such parallel with such parallel campaigns as hashtag how will I change, hashtag him though, and hashtag I did that, y'all be sure to check those out as well. These are just hashtags, and while words have meaning and substance, words mean nothing without action and personal accountability. I say all this to say that I couldn't end this week's episode without shining a spotlight on a program I found by a BBC 100 women called Ijama Africa, and I apologize if I mispronounced that. Based in Nairobi, Kenya, this program strives to change negative heterosexual gender relations by providing young men with tactics to intervene when they see cases of gender-based violence. The young, the young male participants undergo 12 hours of training at school that utilize role-playing to educate on different strategies to be allies to women, particularly with public transportation harassment. This program has proven to be very successful and that a comparative study between men who received the training and those that didn't, boys that received the training were three times more likely to intervene intervene when they saw instances of physical or sexual assault. Let's take a listen to feedback from Ujamaa participants and program coordinators about the components of the program and its overall impact. 
example, we found out the first time that we did the research that 52% of the girls were actually raped by their boyfriend. So we found it uh, very okay to involve the boys. We are actually trying to show them these are the moments of truth. This is the time when you need to stand up and intervene for the girls who are your sisters. Since we did the practice, everybody wants to know actually what are we doing there. And I was trying to show them what kind of the things that we can be doing to stop any kind of mischievous uh, behavior. I can give them the mental picture that these, these ladies are our sisters, our mothers, our aunts, our grandmothers. So when we protect them, this is for our, our betterness. Now, while I believe that women should still be empowered to protect themselves on all realms of physical, mental, and psychological health, programs like this are impactful and needed and that they hold men accountable to themselves and, and other men. And not only their treatment of women, but how they treat themselves and other men. Programs like this also move beyond hypothetical statements of action, but by providing boys and young men the tools to actually intervene if they see acts of gender-based violence. Continued food for thought, that will hopefully compel action. I wanna thank you all for tuning into this episode of The Fragmented Whole, as we explore the ties that unite and divide us to ourselves, our peers, and the environment. Shout out to Marshall's Jedi for the music used throughout this episode and Squarespace for the website design and assistance. I'd also like to reference BBC News and Mike Media as sources for the sound clips. Be sure to, fo to follow The Fragmented Whole, W-H-O-L-E, on Facebook and Instagram at The Fragmented Whole and Twitter at Fragment underscore Whole. You can also find this info on the official website, www.thefragmentedwhole.com. You can also follow me, Amarachi, on IG at Hella underscore Chic, that is C-H-I-C, and Facebook at Amarachi and Akronia. Next week, there will not be a new episode of The Fragmented Whole, but don't fret because on Monday, November 6th, we'll kick off the first Monday in November with a brand new episode. As the holiday season approaches, we'll definitely need to piece together the news itself. Now, until next time, I'm Amarachi, a fragmented whole, and I'm, si I'm signing out. Be safe, y'all. <laughs>